Welcome back to part two of our conversation, where we continue to struggle with these questions and struggle with the events and the genocide that's occurring in Ukraine right now and Russia's part in that. And I believe that you'll hear some things that you won't be hearing many other places on the internet. So I think this is vital. So please tune in, stay with us, and we'll stay with you. God bless. Welcome to Deep Transformation, self society spirit, life-enhancing, paradigm-rattling conversations with cutting-edge thinkers, contemplatives, and activists with Dr. Roger Walsh and John Dupuy. Join us in the evolutionary fast lane as we take a deep dive into transformational practice, peak experience, profound understanding, powerful contribution. Yeah, the, the big theme in Ukraine is a big difference between us and Russians is that we long to remain human. Whatever is happening to us, we want to be human, humane, yeah, both actually. Because, of course, unfortunately, the Russian generation, the whole generation for the past 20 years, it went through very deep dehumanization practices. Mm. Basically, they were in a way dehumanized. What do they do? It doesn't prove that they are human for us. At least that's the way we see it. Or they are coming from certain stages of consciousness that, you know, I would like to question whether adults who are stabilized in, in red or maybe even unhealthy red, whether we can call them humans. And so that it's a fight between Sorry, this is my yes. yeah. <laughs> pain, of course, uh, yes, talking. Of course, of course. So the, the question is, how can we stick to Geneva Conventions, provide certain attitudes towards captured soldiers? The war prisoners. War yeah. prisoners. How should we not delve into discussions with bots? Because, you know, there are the whole fabrics... Uh, factories of bots, uh, trolls, trolls, basically yeah. in in Russian it's called bote, who are writing a lot under uh, the post of each opinion leader to depreciate, depreciate, depreciate. So some people go into these discussions and lose energy, and we need to be as mobilized as possible. Right. So this discernment is a big theme, like what to focus on and how to remain humane uh given all the given all the circumstances how do you fight and win this war now and not become that which you're fighting against exactly you know how do you maintain your heart and it ain't easy and you said you can't be proud well allow me to be proud for you i'll feel the pride for you guys you don't want to feel i'm very proud of you and i wanted to say ben say you know with the election that just happened and i, I know the pain and I've been to Hungary three times and I've had you guide it through me. And I've seen your country through the eyes of a patriot who loves this country, yet who is also an intricate and world-centric person. I've come very much to love Hungary and I feel your pain. And of course, as American, we did Trump. So we have no place of self-righteousness. Well, we don't do that. We sure as hell do. And we almost lost it all. So I just wanted to put in that plug for you and that I, I respect, you know, what you're feeling right now, because I feel it too, because I've grown to love your country. Anyway, I just had to put that out there. Thanks. And yeah, there's as intricalists, I think we can have green and take that love and still yeah. 
you're not pulling the trigger for the same reasons that you're doing it at red. Okay. It's, it's from an enlightened place in a war. You just have to get focused and you got to get tactical and you got to get brave and you got to do it right. Just from what I can tell you guys have been brilliant. And when this is over, there's a time for war and Ecclesiastes. There's a time for everything, every season under the sun. There's a time, there's a time to plant. There's a time to, to reap. There's a time to love. There's a time for peace and there's a time to fight. And now it's a time to fight. And we can't let our softer natures weaken us for the task at hand. Yeah, we, we got to do it. Then after the victory, we have to work on, you know, because our border is still going to be there and Russia is still going to be there for generations. And we're going to have to work through all this stuff. And then I think some of our skills as psychologists and group workers and therapists will really come in and as mystics, you know, that, that understand the deep love it's at the bottom of all things will come to the fore. But right now it's a different time and it's requiring us to behave in different ways with great courage and re resoluteness and at the same time with great love. Can I also add something? Absolutely. That I have just seen a video, I, I think on one of the TV channels in Hungary where Russians were interviewed on the street of Moscow. What do they think about the war? You know, just people on the, on, on the street were stopped. Some people, let's say 60%, said that they believe what the media told them, you know, that, oh, we are liberating Ukraine. Oh, no, these are just rumors that they are saying there. And it was incredible to see, incredible. The, the old lady and the middle-aged man honestly believed it. And he just lived the normal Moscow life. There is no war there, no, no problem. They just, you know, live normal life. And this is what they honestly, in a relaxed way, just believe. And others, you know, in the interview, they said, it's terrible. We understand what's going on. At this moment, when I saw this video, I felt also compassion for the Russians, not for Putin. I'm not that evolved probably <laughs> to, to feel compassion there, but for, you know, for the everyday people who are just basically, you know, brainwashed and they don't even know that they are brainwashed. And oh my God, what will happen with them, with that lady when he will know one day? you know, that he was brainwashed. She will be also in, in, in deep trouble with herself. Yeah. That, oh my God, I believe this. I supported it. What did we do? So I think it's, it's also good practice in our meditation to practice compassion to, to those Russians who, first of all, who are fleeing the country because understand what's going on yeah. and who, are, who cannot flee the country and cannot speak up because they, they have fear for their life, but they know what's going on. That's also must feel like, like being in a prison, like a country prison. And also sending compassion to those Russians who are brainwashed. And one day we'll wake up and we'll have a very difficult time. You know, so, so this is my kind of sense of justice. And for those Russians who are shooting, you know, and doing the war, those we need to fight with, with guns. And Benser and Katerina Vidasio, all pointing towards something that lies at the fountainhead of this crisis and this war, and that is the power of our information structures to propagate falsehoods and paranoid worldviews, and coupled with the power of our, our communication technologies, and coupled also with the human capacity for delusion. And when I met you, Ben Servitas, uh, Katerina, was at the 2018 European Integral Conference. On my way there, I stopped in Israel to visit Israel. One day, I had a free day, and I went to the Holocaust Museum. I arrived early in the morning. I thought I'd spend a couple of hours there and then go look at the city. 
I left when it closed at 5 p.m. So for nine hours, I went from room to room witnessing some of the worst atrocities in human history. And the thing which terrified me most was that only in a matter of just a few years, a group of people had been able to induce a countrywide psychosis. This was a psychosis that Jews were not human, that they should be exterminated, that one was being righteous in doing this. Then within the last four years since that conference, I've witnessed in my own country, at this time, a significant percentage of the population in this country and a growing percentage worldwide, literally believe that the world is being run by a group of child molesting cannibals, that's a QAnon, and in this country, a significant percentage believe this last election was stolen, even though 40 court decisions found no evidence for it whatsoever. And in Russia, Putin has been able to convince the majority of the population of the validity of this non-war, but strategic intervention. Basically, what we're seeing is the vulnerability of all of us as humans to delusional thinking, coupled with increasing power of media infrastructures which can control information. And it doesn't take much and doesn't take long to induce culture-wide psychosis. This is terrifying. And the media structures and the information systems are going to get more powerful. Countries are going to get, like Russia and China, are going to get more effective in creating cyber insulation and controlling the news even better. This is a recipe for global disaster. Yeah, it is terrifying. And thank you, Roger, for sharing. And I'd like to add an observation that what we've witnessed starting from maybe 2010 or 12, uh, and especially after 2014, when the first stage of war started in, in eastern Ukraine, when when Putin seized those those territories and occupied Crimea and those territories in Donbass region, then he started such a terrifying information campaign, a propaganda campaign, that those Russians who were not generally very critically thinking, they I think what has been happening, he he just how to put it, he woke up those demons inside of people if or he, he just you know, stimulated. And, and now these demons are really, really powerful. And I think the analogy of the, of the Nazi Germany in, in 1930s is absolutely correct. Putin has even admitted in one of his interviews that he, he thinks Goebbels, the, the minister of ideology for, for Nazi Germany, was a, was a very good expert, expert yeah. at, at his field. So I think they're the students who overgrown, the, the teachers, what we witness now in Russia is beyond any any explanation. Like if you imagine a an old lady, I don't know, in in her late sixties or seventies, a mother and a grandmother, very decently looking, who is saying, "Yeah, yeah, those Ukrainian sabasters, we need to destroy Nazis. them. They, those are Nazis. We need to destroy them." And she's okay. Like she's. She doesn't feel any any inner dissonance, you know, any cognitive dissonance in in all that idea. And and the question is, Ben, actually, we've been living with this dilemma of are those normal, decent Russians who are brainwashed? Are they really? 
are they worth of compassion, actually, because we don't feel any compassion for them, unfortunately. Of course, they are brainwashed. But those are the same people who are supporting Putin. And, and Putin is doing all his warfare based on this support. And the question is, what is the collective responsibility of this major part of the society, yeah. which is explicitly supporting and, and another part is implicitly supporting the warfare? And if you see what path of healing and shadow integration the German society went after the World War II and how difficult that was and how many generations it took. It seems that the Russians are not even going to do that because after World War II, they felt that, you know, that they won victory and they didn't need to do any kind shadow of work. shadow integration, shadow work, because what they did, the Gulag system that Stalin repressive system and how many genocides they organized, how many nations they killed, they exiled to Siberia, hundreds of thousands from all these small countries, including my own country. And Ukraine, of course. And Ukraine, the Holodomor in early 1930s, and many, many more. So basically, the current society in Russia, they are really proud of those Stalin times. Mm -hmm. So it would be absolutely the same if you find Germans who are saying, yeah, Hitler was a good guy, actually. And can, can you imagine this? And, and they're naming streets after Stalin, and they're putting monuments. And no shadow integration has been done over the, I don't know, ever. And one more thing that I would like to underline is the times are different. It's not that I'm calling not to be compassionate towards human beings. It's something totally different. All those Russians who are interested to understand the situation, they know the ways how to read and listen to other views, they different have, media. They have access. They have access. There is VPN that everybody thinking person can use, even if you're blocked. Virtual yeah. private network that you can get on, bypass all, all the blocks and stuff. And, exactly. and the telegram channels. And there's uh -huh. information is there. Information is yeah. there. Hey, can I say something? I went to Russia, to Moscow. I was invited to do a workshop there right before the invasion of Crimea. So some years ago. And I was doing this, this workshop on integral recovery, using the integral model to work with alcohol and addiction. It was well attended. And I got to hang out with these people. They were all very anti-Putin. And a lot of these people were gay. And my heart went out to them. I knew they were being persecuted just for being who they were. And, you know, my wife's an American. She wanted to talk politics. I said, no, 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 let's do this in the privacy of our little apartments because, you know, they don't have that kind of freedom here. And I don't want to get these guys in trouble. And there's been a lot of Russians gotten beaten up and put in prison and tortured for opposing this war, for opposing Putin and the resistance there. And I, I deeply love and respect the Russians that, and I'm sure they were attracted to the kind of things I was, but man, there's some they were as beautiful souls as you find anywhere. And they're trying, but it's, you know, and there were good Germans who gave their lives fighting the Nazis. So we have to realize that's still there too. And I also want to add something. Actually, the interviewees in what I mentioned in that uh, report didn't say that it's, it's okay to destroy the Ukrainians. They didn't know that Russian army is destroying the Ukrainians. They thought that it was a you know, uh, I don't know, this special, special operation, operation and only the, the bad guys in Ukraine. I don't, so it was a narrow narrative. Probably if the old lady would have said, let's destroy the country or something like that, I wouldn't feel that much to send compassion. 
but I, I saw that the woman had no bad intention, no war mentality, doesn't know at all that there is a war. She had a softer version of it. This is incredible. Like it's a psychosis. And it shows how much suggestibility we human have, how much we are hypnobility, you know. Yes. We can be hypnotized and uh, we, we have to be very careful what kind of messages, suggestions, mm-hmm. you know, to use it's because yeah. it affects people. We've been gradually expanding the conversation. We started uh, with your direct experience and what you're seeing and learning, Katarina Vitas, and we've gradually drawn broader implications. I'd like to step out really as broadly as we can and look at the global effects of this, because this war is going to affect almost every single person on the planet. This is not just, you are the spearhead, you are bearing the brunt, your people are dying because of this. But innumerable billions of people will suffer as a result of that. And I'd just like to step out and look at this because this isn't talked about as much. And basically the cascading effects of one man, Putin's megalomaniacal fantasies will ricochet around the world, across the world, across countries, and tragically across generations. We know that from previous wars, and you've spoken to us, Peter, about the previous wars here. When national leaders and now when a, a superpower leaders play out their personal psychodrama and psychopathologies, the complications can, can be boundless. They can endure across generations. They may well last even for centuries. And they'll result in maybe future wars down the line. And most of the conversation, you know, as we're integralists, we try to look at multiple perspectives. Most of the dialogues or discussions about the global implications focus on military, economic, and political consequences. And those are dire enough, of course. But there are also huge psychological and cultural implications. And But let's just talk about the global economic implications here and what that means for our survival as a species, because We've already seen dramatic increases in defense budgets, for example, throughout Europe, and they are going to go up around the world. That means trillions of dollars will be spent on military, which will not be spent on health, on education, on welfare, and on dealing with the global crises we face from ecological to, to, to climate and more. And there's going to be less health. Global health is going to go down. Social welfare will suffer. And the resources... Ukraine, you're the breadbasket of the world in many ways. For example, wheat. There's going to be starvation in Africa as a result of this. People are going to die of starvation across the other side of the world because of this war. And of course, you know, there's going to be all sorts of social effects. There'll be increased inequality, decreased national stability, decreased international stability, the global order is falling apart. For the first time in human history, we've had half a century without one major country invading another. And that became the new global order and expectation. That's been shattered. The implications of this are extraordinary. And then we have the psychological effect. You're witnessing firsthand and experiencing firsthand the psychological trauma. But there's secondary trauma for families and children. And you mentioned effects on your child and other children. This is going to cascade through generations. There's going to be increased fear, increased anxiety, increased stress. And we know what happens under stress. People tend to regress psychologically. 
I don't have to. Some people can grow in, in the face of challenge, but it usually requires a particularly strong personality or providing people with, with a way of making sense of it, a purpose and a way they can contribute. And then, of course, we've already spoken to the information implications of this, the information technologies and the impact this, this is going to have on even our capacity for understanding what's going on. And if Putin had just waited five years until the capacity for creating deep fakes, move videos, films, which are absolutely indistinguishable from reality, we would have been totally nonplussed as to what's going on. The implications of the every, almost every single person on the planet is going to be touched by your tragedy. This is one of history's great, great tragedies we're facing. Yes, thank you, Roger. And indeed, and, and it seems that the systems we were trusting, having and trusting, they were not sustainable enough and they were not and meta systems and, and including the military systems and economic and political and social, they were not good enough to, to save us from this kind of, uh, this kind of challenge and not anti-fragile enough, if I may say so. What we are doing now, it's a pure reaction. It's not a creation of something more clever, sustainable in terms of better ways of sense-making, better ways of integrating these extremely complex factors. But we are just reacting. And that's unfortunately what we can do in a short run. The challenge now is, which which we've been discussing in the integral circles is how to come up with more integral and more holistic and more inclusive, but not only inclusive in a green way, but inclusive in the integral way, systems of sense-making and managing all our other systems, you know, and I think integral can really, I still hope it's not so disconnected from reality and it can be built into and my field of practice and research is, is leadership development. And I always look at the leadership factor of all this. And, and unfortunately, what, what we witnessed recently is very, how to put it, lack of leadership or very indecisive, very reactive leadership, at least in Europe, but in generally in Western Hemisphere over the last 20 plus years. The political leadership was very reactive. It was either complying playing to be liked and to be accepted, of course, in order to win elections, but generally avoiding facing reality, which we see a lot in Europe over the last approximately 20 years. No real decisive action, no real visionary, authentic leadership. And that's actually my, my topic at the IEC 2022. Mm -hmm. I'm, my, my keynote is called the Zelensky Challenge. I think what, what Zelensky is showing is a truly different kind of leadership, which we are not used to. And a lot of people in Europe and in the States, in Canada as well, they're looking at it with some, like, is it still alive? Is, it, is, is this kind yes. of leadership still allowed? We've read about it in our history books, like, okay, maybe Winston, Gandhi, Mandela, Churchill. Or Winston Churchill, or even maybe Ronald Reagan, maybe Margaret Thatcher debatably, but some more decisive, more, <laughs> more authentic leadership. 
telling things straightforwardly and and inviting Merkel and uh, not Macron, Macron. but um, Sarkozy to Bucha because the previous leaders. Yeah, it's because of them. Excuse us, but Crimea was annexed, where Eastern Ukraine was annexed, notwithstanding the violation of Budapest Memorandum. Ukraine gave out the nuclear power to Russia in 1994 in exchange, in exchange for, guarantees. Of, for guarantees of territorial integrity. Nobody protected Ukraine in 19, in 2014. They didn't. Because they wanted to soothe, to appease Putin. They wanted to make friends with him. And now the result is Bucha and, and yet, what all the, other suburbs of Kiev and Kherson and Mariupol, etc. And what we've been observing Kharkiv. from the European leadership point of view, that was basically the appeasement of Hitler in 1938, only in a prolonged period of time, of about, I don't know, starting from Georgia, the, the, the annexation of part of Georgia in 2008. So we are already in this for 14 years. And no reaction. And I mean, no decent reaction. The, Putin was not punished for everything he has been do- he has done so far. And only now, after these atrocities, which you are shouting too loud, those leaders are kind of waking up. Sorry, it's too late. He was allowed to go too far. And what from leadership point of view is, <laughs> it's terrifying. It's such a such a bad leadership. Vitas, that's a fascinating subject. And, and I, God, I'm leaning toward going to hunger again. I keep going back and forth. But I think Ben says it's going to be a real challenge for you because this is going to be up, you know, and I know our integral movement has a really strong, healthy green part, but are we going to be able to be, and I see Zelensky as being an integral leader. I think he has the heart and compassion of green, yet he's a warrior at the same time and for all the right reasons. And so he, that's an example of us. And Maybe this IEC, Integral European Conference, is going to be some kind of alchemical thing where we work on this stuff together. We come together and show there are feelings. There'll be strong feelings and something can emerge that will help our people and help our time and help Ukraine and mm-hmm. help our children and those that come after us. So this is this is a real challenge. And Ben, I know you're a, you're a terrific leader for the, those things like that. And, and I, I trust it in your hands that you can bring this together in a healthy way. And again, I'm leaning towards going. And this is also going to be an event. You can be there in person, also an online thing. So you can participate if because of COVID or the different things that are going on in the world. We're still not through all of that yet, but you're negotiating both sides of that, Vince. And I think that's really admirable. Yeah, maybe we should give a context for people who part, uh, our listeners who part, aren't part of the integral world that for those of us who are interested in big picture perspectives on things and things like psychological development and contemplative practices, the integral European conference has been essentially the world's gathering of cutting edge thinkers around these issues. And both uh, Vitas and Katerina will be uh, keynote speakers there in in May. And uh, Benser has been the the uh, creator of this this conference now for, I guess, what, about six years? <laughs> eight years. Yeah, eight years, sorry. Katarina, would you like to say a little bit about the key ideas that you hope to present there? Yes. My theme, the name of, of my speech is Ukraine, a heart blown open. Hmm. So what I would like to investigate is how this Ukrainian phenomenon helped to open hearts uh, for many people and around the world. What we 
observe is one thing is a, an explosion of trust. You see people hosting foreigners, the Ukrainians coming from various cities. Nobody knows people personally before they offer their opening their houses, opening yeah. their houses and hosting them. That, that's so touching. I mean, it's for me, it's very, it's like a miracle. Because in Integral, we speak a lot about the importance of growing up, uh, cleaning up, waking up, and then comes showing up. And sometimes it's a little bit forgotten. forgotten. <laughs> so we, we continue to think and feel. And then the real test is, what are you, do you actually do when the time comes, the time to act, to show up? To show yeah. up? I believe that this is something we really need to, to think about, to talk about. I give all my respect to people from the integral world who connected to us. We attended many events since we just know Bense for, for years. So we went also to Austria when yeah, the regatherings were, were taking place. So people from all over the world, from Germany, from Ireland, were contacting us during this month to ask how they can help. Some of them were offering their houses and I think it's a beautiful example how integralists can act. One of the initiatives that John just launched is basically fundraising for Ukraine for very, very concrete things. And we are very committed to full transparency and uh, full practicality you know, of, uh, of what is being supported. The very basic um, needs of people, both practical and psychological. However, that's, I think... A very important thing to reflect is how Ukraine is changing each and every person if we open up to it. Because there is a way to contribute for each and every, starting from very small children who are drawing these beautiful postcards. And in, for, in Dubai, for example, a friend of mine sent me an image from the contemporary art um, exhibition with the huge, huge, huge wall, all made of children's drawings about Ukraine. And I will gladly mm. share it with you and others. Maybe I will even show it within my presentation that I see. So somehow it helps us open up mm -hmm. and uh, invite something new uh, yeah. into our space. Yeah. I'm going to be trying to expand what we're doing with iAwake, where I told that you can get any product that we have just donate to this Ukrainian funnel to help heal and support Ukraine is what we call it. And I'm going to be reaching out to you and say also the integral life and see if we can come together, put our hearts and minds together and start a funneling more thing. I think it would be great for our community. Yeah, that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Please do so. Sean, can you say something about it so listeners can know how they can, how they can make a contribution to this? Talk about what the name of the fund is and how they can contribute. Yeah, well, I, I'm the CEO of iAwake Technologies. We create uh, audio soundtracks that, that use science and, and art to entrain the brain to very deep healing meditative states. And so we have our list. We have our, you know, people have been with us for years. So we said, grab whatever product of ours you want. And we ain't taking the money. Just give it to us and we'll send it directly to Vitas and, and, and Katrina. 
and I don't need an itemized list how you're spending money. Your heart is very transparent. I completely trust you guys. That's just me, though. You know, uh, I think you guys will use it to help your people and, and do what's right. So we need to expand that. And it needs to be not just a one-time thing, but needs to be an ongoing. If that's the most helpful, we're using PayPal, just sending it to you. I know it takes a little bit off the top, but whatever. It's getting there. And do you want us to send packages or is money the best way that we can help besides our emotional and intellectual and the voices we have in the world to support you in that way? How can we help more? And did I answer the question, Roger? Was that clear at all? Well, you gave a great... (laughs) Not really, was it? Yeah, go to iowatechnology.com. Go to our website. Uh, You'll see it there. I'll probably add up something after this to explain it more cogently <laughs> after we record this thing. But thanks for asking, Roger. But go ahead. How can we help you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we will later put, put up to, something together with Benson for, for the IEC or during IEC. Because this, this conference, I believe, will be outstanding. And I know uh, Benson has a lot of uh, also impact uh, and um, connections in um, in this uh, southern hemisphere, basically the yeah. Brazil and um, Latin America, and Latin America, yeah, in in general. So this is something, Bense. I just wanted to emphasize. I didn't tell you when we had this exchange. This is something very important for us because okay. the southern hemisphere is not as involved as yeah. the Western world is. So we really want to draw their attention to what is happening in Ukraine, not because it's a geographical issue. Of course, distance influences the perception, Mm -hmm. but this is a fight for democracy. This is a fight for freedom and dignity. This is a fight for the whole planet in a way. So um, unfortunately, we've seen some of these countries not, not so active in their choice. We believe now it's very important to be clear with the choice. It concerns the leadership of the countries and it concerns also the leadership within the communities of intellectuals. So that's exactly what what we wanted to convey and with about what we want to speak with, with Mm -hmm. Otto and other uh, opinion leaders. So choice is important now. Yes. Connections. A stance. Yes. Yes. And maybe they also have a message for us because I, I have I have just been in a team call with the Latin American integral leaders, and we are going to create a, a pre-IEC Latin American conference with 300 people online, all Latin American Spanish speakers, where we are going to invite them. And, and Roger will be one of the speakers there, and myself and, and some others, five speakers. And we will invite them to, to, to the IEC and offer them Spanish translation. But, and what I want to add, they shared me on the call that actually they have their own wars in Latin America, which preoccupies them more than Ukraine, you know, and it's a message they want also to tell us that it's not only us having a war here. For you guys and for me sitting in next country and Europe, this is all what occupies us. And we forget about all of the other wars, you know, and Americans too are very connected to Europe and, and this whole conflict with Ukraine. But with global integral conference, I see, we, we really want to hear the global voice. What is mother saying or what's the sum total of, of this whole shebang that's going on on earth sounds like, you know? 
I think there will be a two-way exchange. You are, you are going to be able to convey your message to the Latin Americans. And they are also will be able to share their perspective, their lived and felt and you know, lived reality and their concerns. And, and we need to hear that. And then we need to dialogue across. So we will offer IEC with the team World Peace, Paz Mundial, a global discussion where a main or the main or one of the main focuses, of course, the Ukrainian war. But we also want to zoom out a little bit and focus on peace and war in general on the planet, you know, and have all kinds of uh, planetary voices dialoguing each other. Does that sound fair to you guys? Of course, of course, Mense. And we know, unfortunately, there are probably, I don't know the statistics, but I've heard that there are usually more than 100 active wars ongoing uh, all around the world. And, Incredible. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's, yeah, that's of different scale, of course. Yeah. But, nature. But it's, yeah, it's... Of course, the Ukra- Ukrainian war is also symbolic. Like, it's also, you know, bit the, the, the US, Russia you know, tension, the Cold War tension. It's a bigger scope than Russia, Ukraine. And here, this whole Ukrainian shell, we step into the EU and NATO and, and Putin wants, no, it doesn't happen because we need that buffer zone. You know, so Ukrainian war with Russia is not just Ukrainian war with Russia, but it, it basically steers up the whole Western Hemisphere's power balance and, yeah. and hope for everlasting peace after the Second World War. So it's, it's not just a regional local war. It's, it's much more significant. Mm-hmm. It's moving the tectonic plates. Yeah. Yes. yes, it's unique in several, several ways. And one of them is there are, as you said, Vitas, there are multiple regional conflicts going on at this very moment and people losing their lives. And this is the first time since the Second World War where one major country has attacked another with the aim of simply incorporating it and wiping it off the map. And that is a challenge to the whole world order. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge of the whole world order, yeah. And to add to that, democracies, it doesn't seem attack democracies. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, give me an example where democracy has attacked a democracy. I can't think of one. So maybe we need to really say, hey, it is important. As mm. complicated and fucked up as democracy is, it's the best thing going. And we need to honor that and yeah. fight for that and be real for that and mm-hmm. push that mm-hmm. in our work in our lives and in our families and in our government. Exactly, exactly. And my, if I may return to my topic of leadership for a moment, my question is one of the questions for, to, for, for inquiry is only those autocratic leaders allowed to be bold and decisive and real and authentic. Hmm. <laughs> and and that's, that sucks. I don't like this situation when there are, I don't know, the... Is Orban a good, a good example, a good bad example, so to say, mm-hmm. that you know he is allowed to speak more openly and more drastically? <laughs> I don't like the situation when when yeah. democratic leaders have to play this safe, complying game. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say Zelensky is wrecking your argument. So, thanks God, that's what you know. I mean, he's it. He's he's the example of how it can be. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm going to talk about. Why why don't we pick up this? Yeah. Yes, as a role model probably for other democratic leaders that while you are democratic, you can also be decisive. Exactly. Oh, amazing. Hey, I, I noticed Roger had to, he had to go. He had another podcast. 
And, and maybe we can wrap it up because, man, we've given a lot. And Vince, thank you so much for, for being with us. And, and of course, you guys, you know, we're inventing this as we go in our funnels to, to, to help you guys, but know that we're committed to you and we'll do the best we can and we need to be in touch. And yeah, we'll have updates from you guys from the front lines of this war and, and supporting and healing and taking care of the millions of refugees, all this stuff. And there'll be a time of peace, but it ain't now. So uh, anyway, love you guys. I also want to... To share with you guys in the last comments that when you when you are coming to IEC and when we are going to have meaningful conversation and dialogue around this topic, we are happy to share that with the Deep Transformation Podcast community, Jones, afterwards. So, so okay. listeners can listen more after the conference. It's always awesome talking to you, Vince. I love you, brother. And you, yeah. my brothers Likewise. and sisters, just in the last few weeks. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank uh, you John. Thank we'll you, talk soon. Thank you, friend. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit the Deep Transformation website to find out more about iAwake's audio tools designed to wake us up, grow us up as a part of our daily deep transformational practice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Deep Transformation podcast, and we greatly appreciate your comments, suggestions, and questions. Thank you for all you are and all you do from John, Roger, and the Deep Transformation team.